So before the story starts, he's like, I'm just a guy telling you a story. I got some shit on my mind. He, he explicitly lays that out on page one. And how is that a, not enough? Do you still come in thinking that you're about to jump into like a full on narrative arc? Yeah, because then he, <laughs> because then. Ryan, I'm thinking of taking up a new hobby. Rum and cocaine is a habit, not a hobby. No, I was thinking about something light and fun like surfing or writing about history and personal tragedy. History and personal tragedy, aren't those pretty much the same things? And I don't even know what you're thinking about with surfing, Roman. I mean, you can't even swim. Everyone knows that. First of all, I can swim. My dad made me do laps at the YMCA when I was a little kid. I'm Roman Segel. I'm Ryan Joe. And we are two dudes who don't surf, but are changing our names to Duke and Tom anyways. Cowbunga dudes. This week we are reading In Waves by A.J. Dungo, an equally informative and heartbreaking sober work of a young man's love along with the history lesson. This book isn't just about the history of surfing, tracing the tales of Duke, Kahanamoku, and Thomas Blake. It's also a heartfelt recollection of young love and loss as the author recounts his time with his girlfriend, Kristen, who succumbed to cancer. This is a heavy book that uh, caught me off guard a couple of years ago when I first read it, but it continues to sit with me. What about you, Ryan? Yeah, I always feel weird reviewing a book that really deals with something that's true and that's heavy. When we were talking about the Kumsi Gendry Kim comics, but it's hard to review those books because you, it's hard to be like, oh, yeah, your personal tragedy. Didn't really enjoy it. Only two stars. So I always feel like an asshole if I were to say something negative about a book that is so deeply personal this is this but, is actually this is me like tricking you into a corner and putting you into an awkward position no so you okay, give so, me the, you get you give me the awkwardness of reading junji ito i give you the awkwardness of these little moral dilemma tests right i don't think junji i don't i wouldn't say there's the awkwardness re reading junji ito I, I would say this pure pleasure ramen but others might disagree <laughs> okay so what i liked about it the the memoir is pretty powerful especially at the end the way he talks about his girlfriend's death and the effect that that had on him. And you really do get the sense of how he's trying to cope with it through this book and how he's trying to honor her memory. However, the historical stuff feels very fragmented. He's going through the, the history of surfing and you keep waiting for it to add up. And unlike yeah. the Jean Lun Yang book that we read, uh, Dragon Hoops, which also had the history of basketball, the historical stuff actually tied in to what he was doing, telling the present day or uh, the 2013, I guess, day story of Bishop O'Dowd High School. So there was a connection between the historical and the present. And here it's a bunch of different things. The story of Duke, the story of Thomas, they do connect towards the end. And then there's the story of A.J. Dungo and his girlfriend whom he lost. And again, there is a connection when he talks about what surfing meant with Duke, what surfing meant to Thomas, and what surfing meant, means to him. But it feels almost perfunctory the way it's done. So there are parts of it that I, I, I liked that were very moving and very touching. But there were parts of it where it felt like separate projects. Well, it, I feel like there's a moment in the personal narrative where he talks about 
his discovery of Thomas Blake in doing a school project. And so it's like bringing that research to life. And I don't disagree that it's hard to tie the two things together other than it's about surfing. And I was okay with that because I hate to say it, it was almost a distraction from the personal tragedy. I don't think I could have read this book alone if it was just about the personal tragedy. So to almost get these historical breaks and lessons, to be clear, I would have been more likely to read a personal tragedy comic than a history of surfing comic. Actually, I take that back. I don't know which one I'd rather read. All I do know is this was a forcing function to read both. Yeah. What if it's a personal tragedy that takes place while surfing that has been known to happen? But okay, all that aside, I I agree with you. I, I get the sense that this book, the creation of this book was therapeutic. And I definitely felt that. But at the same time, as somebody who's coming in as an agnostic reader, I would have liked to have seen more of the connection between all of these different things. What does Duke mean to AJ? What does Thomas mean to AJ? How does this all wrap around the loss that he feels with Kristen? And we don't really know. So in a way, yes, I, I do get the sense that he's working through the grief that he feels. The very title refers to the waves of grief that come and go. So I understand that intellectually, but just reading this as a book, it left me a little bit dissatisfied, to be honest. I feel like an asshole saying that, but and there it is. Well, I, I want to challenge you on something you've challenged me on, on some of the weird shit you've had me read. Sometimes you just haven't have to you had read. any. You've never read any weird shit. I've never, never. never. Check the normal. tapes. Check the tapes. <laughs> Literally, the the book we will have released last week. I'm grappling with my well, the the feedback you often give me for some of the quote unquote weird shit. My words, not yours, is to let go when you read it. Okay. And so I find myself able to let go. Now the thing I think could have been done more tying the thread. I actually didn't need more of showing me how Duke, the Duke and Thomas story is tragic. There is a little bit there, not a lot. I think what would have been more impactful, even though he does underline it, is a role surfing played in Kristen's life. Because now it's, surfing was really important. Let me tell you more about this beautiful thing in the history lesson too. And and, and surfing, it is explained how it was important. And so for me, letting go and just kind of letting this wash over me, as I read it, I was okay with it, I guess is what I'd say. I hear what you're saying. I actually definitely want to talk about his portrayal of Kristen. But before we get to that, I'm really glad you brought up that whole thing about sometimes a narrative just needs to wash over you. It doesn't need to make sense. It doesn't need to come together. And I always wrestle, when does a narrative need to come together? When, If, if we're reading Ultimate Spider-Man, would it make sense if the whole thing was just a fragmented narrative and didn't make any sense? No, it's a superhero narrative. It does have to have a beginning, middle, and end a very common narrative structure. Mobius, does it need to do the same? Not as much. Uh, The one we read recently, The uh, the New World by Chris Reynolds. That one almost flagrantly defies having a narrative. It starts out having a set narrative and then it's just like, nope, we're not going to go down that direction. So whenever you're the, the writer, the creator is doing that, it seems like they have to set up the rules. And it seemed to me like with AJ Dungo, his narrative about Duke, his narrative about Thomas, his narrative about Kristen. All three of those had very solid storytelling footings, right? I met this girl, here's the story. Duke, here's his story. Thomas Blake, here's his story from beginning, middle, and end. And so because it has those very solid, very conventional uh, storytelling points, 
when the narrative doesn't fit together, I felt a little cheated. Now, if he had made this whole thing signaled to the reader that this project is going to be like a dreamlike sequence, or he's going to fragment the narrative, or he's only going to try to okay, well, here's like what I'm going to here's where I'm going to push back hard. So first, yeah. I do think there's a difference between storytelling and art. Oh, a commercial storytelling and art, right? Ultimate Spider-Man, well, the boys. Well, hear hear me out. Hear me out. So that's point one. Um, and so I am more forgiving when it comes to poetry, abstract art, etc., to not understand the meaning of some of the things that we've read in the past. And then here's my number one pushback. Page one of the book I'm going to read to you, Ryan. Mm-hmm. And I quote, I must admit, I'm not the most qualified source to teach you about the subject of surfing. I'm just an overzealous tourist. I can't claim surfing as my own, but its characters do resonate with me. We share an obsession for riding waves, a deep reverence for the ocean, and a broken heart. Period. So before the story of Duke starts, before the story of Kristen starts, he's like, I'm just a guy telling you a story. I got some shit on my mind. He he explicitly lays that out on page one. And how is that not enough? Do you still come in thinking that you're about to jump into like a full on narrative arc? Yeah, because then (laughs) because then. That's just like a little intro. It's the next intro is better, man. Intros matter. No, the yeah, I'm not saying the intro doesn't matter, but the next sequence is like, hey, let me just tell you about the history of surfing, and and then you have the whole thing with what happened last summer. It's this narrative about how this, how this, not how this boy meets a girl, but how this boy and a girl are taking this this surfing trip. Yeah, and so I feel like each chapter has like almost a conventional arc. Right. Even though it's broken up and fragmented and he like intersperses different stories at different times. I so look, this is all obviously subjective, right? What if somebody tells like a fragmented narrative, some people are going to be like, whoa, that's amazing. Other people are going to be like, what the hell? And so for me, when I was reading his the story, it felt like pieces of a puzzle. He's telling a solid narrative and then he breaks and moves to another narrative and then he breaks and he moves to another narrative and so to me it felt like i'm getting pieces of a puzzle and these pieces are going to come together at the end and it's going to make sense or there's going to be some conclusion that is what aj dungle's structure is training me as i'm reading his book and so when that doesn't happen i'm sort of like okay that's what you led me to expect but for some reason you didn't deliver so that's my what, that's what, my what stance specifically um were you looking for a knot to tie everything together? Because everything yeah, does ultimately come to a conclusion. Everything does come to a conclusion because everyone dies. But I was expecting the narratives to come together in some way. And he does mention, okay, for Duke, surfing is freedom. For Thomas, surfing is escape. And I guess from that, we can draw some conclusion as to what that is for AJ Dungo. But it felt like those three stories, the tragedy of AJ Dungo's girlfriend, Kristen, the life of Duke, the life of Thomas, they were also disparate. And only connected very, very briefly at the end with this theme about what surfing means to each person. And that wasn't enough for you. (laughs) I wouldn't say it wasn't enough. It was just not, it just set something up and didn't deliver. That's what I felt. No, that's fine. It's okay to be wrong, Ryan, because uh, (laughs) to your point of this being subjective. I don't know what you mean, Ruman. (laughs) No, is this to your point? Art is subjective. And I viewed this book very much as this was another first second press let me tell you the history of the do that's a very another different book and i've read a ton of those i thought that's actually what i was getting into when i picked it up and chapter one does talk about the duke right 
Yeah. But to me, this was a beautiful work of art. The tragedy of it and the distraction in the history lesson with the parallels was enough. Well, can I give you a point of contrast with Jean Lun Yang's Dragon Hoops? Because he gives this history lesson throughout, like multiple history lessons, interspersed with this chapter of Bishop O'Dowd High School, eventually winning the California State Championship. But each historical set piece ties into the present day story that he's going to tell, whether he wants to tie it into issues of race or he wants to talk about the big innovative steps, the risks that these people had to do in order to bring basketball into the mainstream or to even have the, the right to, to teach basketball. And so I, I felt like Jean Lun Yang's book, it cohered so much better than In Waves. And look- but Again, to me, it, but hang on to me, and I love Jean Lun Yang and I love Dragon Hoops, but I did not love it as much as in Waves because Jean Lun Yang, and this is a constructive criticism of him. It's very by the numbers. How dare you? How dare you criticize Jean? <laughs> I'm totally racist. No, well, I'm never going to get him on Modern Minorities if I say the next things. But Jean Lun Yang is a very, he has a very methodical storytelling style with history lessons and personal narrative arcs. Um, and I've seen that in many of his books. And they are, per I hate to say it, his stuff is personal. He does talk about his own personal journeys. This felt like surfing in a way, but it was, and again, he gets a win, he gets a pass because it's a deeply emotional, deeply personal story. Jean Lun Yang's story is personal. Is it deeply personal? I don't know. And I guess I can look past because by the second chapter that this is going into deeply personal territory very quickly, you're not sure where it's going. If anything, at the beginning of the book, I wasn't sure where it's going. But by the end of the book, I was so moved and along for the ride that I could look past him not tying Duke to Tom to Kirsten as tightly because I wasn't looking for it. I was looking for the feeling more than the thinking. And Jean Lun Yang makes me think. And this was not about, this book was not about thinking. This book was about feeling. I get that. The writing is very sparse. It's really about the images. I did see where it was going because there's on page 37, very early on, there's this big wave coming towards Kristen. You can tell she's sick and you know, inevitably that the illness is going to, she's going to succumb Consume to her, her illness. Right. Yeah. 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 And you're right. It's a different type of story than Jean Lun Yang. Aesthetically, it's very different. It has these big, bold images. I don't think I'm describing it correctly. I actually did love the art and the feeling that the art evoked. He's very good at creating a sensation and a mood. The mood of falling in love for the first time, the mood of loss and nostalgia. So yeah, I'm not saying that this book is bad. It had it definitely yep, had yep. its merits. Yeah, you're talking but, about what it's missing. But I think yeah. less is more. I think to do emotional storytelling, less is more because you have to read between the lines and put your own feelings on the page. Well, Jean Lun Yang, and again, I love Jean Lun Yang, but it's very directive. There isn't a lot of room for me to feel. There's a lot of room for me to think because, and both of them are master storytellers in my opinion. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's the emotional resonance of the book is just, it really just hits me between the eyes versus there, there haven't been a lot of books, believe it or not, that we have read. I'd need to go back through the list. Obviously, Year of the Rabbit was one. The Korean Kim ones for the episode I missed was one as well. But like, there haven't been a lot of books that we've read that have pulled at my emotions as hard as this one, I guess is what I'd say. And so maybe and maybe that's so it's an unfair advantage that it has because you're playing the emotional personal tragedy card, uh, which is very real and very valid. Um, 
but a lot of the other stuff we haven't read that a lot of the stuff we've read previously has not been as deeply personal as this yeah i would agree with that or if they have been personal stories they've been personal stories of the past well i guess this is about the past but personal stories of maybe the distant past or your family's past versus this mm. is like something that the author felt and went through can I complain again? It is your superpower. <laughs> I'm going to do it. It doesn't matter. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. So the other thing that I was curious about and, and I think might have been a misstep is how so this is all, of course, towed through AJ's point of view. But Kristen is almost like a cipher in that she's this character off which AJ reacts. We do get a few sense of her, a, a sense of her free spiritedness especially in the early interactions where she's not exactly attracted to him and freaked out by his crush on her and she has her friends hide her whenever he comes around. But I felt like a lot after that, Kristen almost was not a character, almost like this, I don't want to say object, but she was somebody who... Yeah, no. it was it, it was a eulogy in a weird way. And I've written far too many eulogies for far too many funerals, Ryan, but you you don't speak ill of the dead, I, and I don't know if I. Agree I'm not with saying that, speaking ill. I'm well, not. Saying, on, I'm, I'm sorry. Not, I'm not saying you are, but what I'm saying is, we didn't pull a lot out of her personality. She strikes me as the person who, while she does say at the very end, "I want our story to be told," mm. maybe that's too personal. Maybe she was a private person. I I don't know. Like I I, I actually agree with you on this one. There's not a lot of there's a lot of Kristen in this in the sense that half of this book is dedicated to her, but there's not a lot of Kristen. I yeah. don't know why he fell in love with her other than he fell in love with her. Yeah. Let me give you an example of and this is when it really jumped out at me that there's both a lot of Kristen and not a lot of Kristen. And it's on page 187 and he's talking to his friends about how they met. And so he, he's giving his version of the story. And then he would say to Kristen, though, that was just another night. Our magical meeting was a fleeting annoyance to her. If I told the story in her company, she'd include all the humiliating details that I failed to mention. And you almost kind of, and you almost kind of think, okay, so what is Kristen's version of that story, right? You're teasing it. She has a different story. She has a different version of it. That could be really illuminating as to who she is. And you're not giving it to us. And, I, and after that, I started looking for Kristen in the comic, like, where is her personality? Who is she as an individual? And I got what she meant to AJ, but I didn't get what he meant to her and what she wanted to do and what her personality was like. But we agree on that. So, Well, what I was going to say was maybe he didn't feel comfortable showing that part of her, right? Because respecting her, mm. the, the relationship... I mean, yeah. it, well, so I'll use an example, my wife, right? I never actually mention her name or my kids' names on any of my podcasts because it's respecting their privacy. And very actually rarely do I, when I'm just in social situations around friends, I mention my wife, I mention my kids by name, but I never illuminate too much of their personality. And the flaw that happens as a result of that is a lot of my friends assume that my wife is just like me. And when they do meet her, they're like, wow, you are nothing like Rumin. And as a result, I, and some of that is out of, well, and we have close friends who know both of us well, but it's not my, I hate to say it, it's not my story to tell because I respect my wife's privacy and I know my wife is a private person. So in that very scene you're talking about, you can see her annoyance at him telling the story. You can see her looking away. You can literally see her covering his mouth to say, please shut up and please quit talking about this. And, and I relate so hard to that because 
I this scene is my wife and I playing out right now. Like it's my wife doesn't want me talking about her. I can acknowledge that she exists, but it's like, don't tell my stories. That's between us. Now, to be clear, there's a massive contrast because in the last pages of the book, she's like, I want you to tell our story. But our story is the story of us and not the story of me. So I don't know, man. I I guess I can empathize with AJ's what he decided to leave unsaid about Kristen. And some of it is eulogy-like. Let me say the positive, really nice things, and I'll just leave it at that. The rest is for me and her family. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, and I, 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 know, I understand the decision. I do. Does that make it a better book? No, but yeah, okay, I understand the decision. And sorry, I feel like a cold bastard, but we're here to review the books, not excuse it. So, look, it's a good book. It's a good meditation on grief. The stuff with the history of surfing was stuff that I was not exposed to, and I appreciate the tone that he's able to set consistently. Is this a book that left me bowled over? No, I guess I just kept thinking about stuff that was missing, and maybe that's probably on me. But that's that's let, my response. Let me, flip, to it. let me flip the question. It's a question you've asked me many times. Would you recommend this book? But more importantly, would you recommend this book to someone who's been grieving? Because I've thought a lot about this. I've experienced far too much death in my life, and I I am fortunate that a lot of the people I love have not experienced a lot of death. I talk to my wife a lot about this. I've been to far too many funerals. I've been far too many eulogies. And maybe that's why this book hit me square in the jaw. I've been through the cycles of grief far too much. And I literally think about the next time someone significant in my life or someone I love's life dies, I want to give this book to them. So I uh, long way of asking, would you give this book to someone? I mean, who's grieving? I don't know, man. It depends on who they are. People grieve in different ways and want different things. So if somebody wants to see how somebody else is doing it, then yeah, then this would be a good book to to give to somebody who's grieving. If somebody wants to figure out how people might cope over the years, yeah, sure. But other people just want to not be reminded. So I I guess I take that on a case-by-case basis. Hmm. And honestly, my first instinct would be not to recommend it, not because it's about grief and mourning, but just because it's just not the first book I think to recommend. (laughs) Would I recommend the book in general? Yeah, you know, it's an unconventional comic. And I tend to appreciate unconventional comics, even if there are issues with them, because sometimes in exploring the issues, it's, it's actually, you kind of learn a little bit and you you see different modes of storytelling. And so, yeah, it's something that I think is worth picking up and and flipping through and also getting getting immersed in the tone. I think that that is, I've, I've mentioned this before, but of all of the comics that we've read, this one, you really do get the sense of of lost love. You really do get the sense of, well, of loss and of a missing piece and the way that, that melancholy never fully goes away. And I would say that that is an accomplishment. As much as I've been bitching about the narrative, the way AJ tells the story and the way he evokes the mood that he is feeling, I think is very masterful. Yeah, I agree. And it's so much of the art of this book is what's left unsaid, because I think you fill in the blanks. But the tone, the styling of the art, 
the simplicity, the glances on the faces, which sometimes are empty for a reason, be it about Duke or Thomas or Kristen or AJ, allow you to fill in the blanks of the depth that these people must be feeling, clearly. Even like where there's a little bit of comedy with the Duke's reputation and rise, there's not a lot. Another thing I just genuinely appreciate, and it's something I've totally made a note of for, for future projects, is when depicting different scenes there's literally two colors in this book <laughs> orange and blue there's yeah. like and again that less is more it, it really worked for me to know in the sepia i'm in the past it's history lesson time blue i'm in the grieving phase of this book kind of reminds me of steven soderbergh's traffic when it's sepia you're in mexico and when it's blue you're in chicago it's exactly like steven soderbergh's traffic <laughs> <laughs> with with less drugs yeah, no, it's, it's, again, I, I like zeroed in on the stuff that I didn't like about it. But there, again, there's a lot of stuff that I did like about it. And yeah, I think Dungo's an accomplished artist and his decision to draw everyone so sparsely. The faces of himself, of Kristen, were almost abstracted. And oftentimes you really didn't see much of her face. It's almost like you're seeing them through a memory. And again, so maybe that underscores the point of the missing aspects of who she is. You don't really get a, a very clear sense of what she really looks like. You don't get a really clear sense of what AJ looks like, for that matter. Unlike Duke, unlike Tom, both of whom seem to be much more realistically drawn individuals. And what's interesting about AJ Dungo is I don't think he's created anything else. Just this might be his only debut. And that's interesting to me in, in a way. He's an illustrator. He's done a lot of work, right? Like with brands like Nike and Skechers, etc. But this may be the only story he decided to tell. And I think that's interesting as well. Yeah, sometimes you only have one story you want to tell, right? Like Harper Lee, she only did To Kill a Mockingbird. And that was it. No, she had a sequel that just came out like two years yeah, ago. Yeah, I don't think that was... No, 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 no. I don't think that was a sequel. I think that was a rough draft. I, I think sometimes you write and you're like... What is a story? And you're just like writing what you think is a story, but then you realize like a small kernel of what you wrote is actually the story. I think that's what that was. I think that was her rough draft. And then she realized the story about this little girl growing up. That's the real story. And so she took that and made that the novel. And the other one was stuff that you weren't supposed to see. That's my theory. I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> will you allow me to read the last passage of the book, Ryan? I will totally allow it. Read on, Mr. Sagal. And again, I've already read the first passage of the book, but the, the last passage of the book, and I'll skip over some parts of it, but it was pretty moving to me. And I quote, after Kristen died, I spent a lot of time alone in the water, isolating myself, alarmed those around me. They would ask how I was, and I had trouble answering. Eventually, I found the words I was searching for. It comes in waves. It's a brief but honest answer. The emptiness is constant, but grief has no recognizable pattern. It just comes and goes. Is unpredictable, brewed by a storm in the distance, deep in the ocean, far from view, churning water above and below. It surges through channels, forming and rushing while carrying its magnitude full force as it reaches a breaking point. It grows until it cannot sustain its shape. It becomes unstable and crashes. Eventually, it settles into a calm, uniform surface. And then the water retreats, only to begin again. And then it's followed by Thomas Blake, the history lesson, one of the fathers of surfing, talking about everything in surfing. And he says, the remedy again is obvious. Go surfing. And the book closes with another deeply personal story with Kristen. But I think that passage just ties a nice emotional bow on what I thought the book was about. The, the author, 
at the beginning declares what he thinks this book is and isn't. And he very explicitly states this book is about grief. So for that, that's why I think this is one of the greats. This is a book that I think I want on my shelf. This is a book I want to revisit because upon revisiting it for this podcast, Ryan, like, I don't know, maybe I'm in a weird soft spot, but again, it it hit me a lot harder than I thought it was. I, I forgot how deeply personal it was. I really was like, oh, it's a book about surfing and history and a little bit of personality. So yeah. Uh, well, ultimately, that's the important thing, though, isn't it? At the end of the day, art or whatever you're reading, is, is it's supposed to touch you and it's supposed to make you feel. And this book definitely made you feel stronger than some of the other books that we've read. You definitely were engaged with this in a much different way. And it's something that is, you know, has hit very, very hard for you emotionally. And that says a lot, right? So not every book can do that. Very few books can do that. And those that can will always be memorable. So, Well, you know what's really good, though, is when you introduce these deeply personal books to your friends and they point out all the flaws on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Like another tragedy, isn't it? <laughs> Ryan, I, I, I'm left but with one question and only what, one question. What are we reading next week? I'm thinking something a little more lighthearted, something that's kind of super heroic, but by an indie big publisher. So maybe, I don't know, Matt Wagner's Grendel that is appropriate for the Halloween season, I guess. It's Grendel is actually one of the longest running independent comics by Matt Wagner. And it first came out in 1982. So we are going to read the first 20 to 40 issues, which actually is finally being made into a Netflix series in the mass play to make content out of everything. So we want to be cool and say that we read and talked about it first before it was cool. So I'm thinking some Matt Wagner's Grendel. Yeah, here at Quarantine Comics, we only read comics that are going to be made into movies because we are whores. (laughs) That's pretty much how all the books you make me read work. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Be sure to share with a friend, subscribe, and leave us a review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. See lots of pretty pictures of the books we read at qtdcomics.com. And since we're sure no one's listening, prove us otherwise. Shoot an email over to say what I got right and what Ryan got wrong. qtdcomics at gmail.com. Give you a social media handle, but we're old, and that feels like too much work. I'm Roman Segel. And I am and have always been Ryan Joe.